Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Louise, and I'm the founder and CEO of Empowerment Through Thought. I help the survivors of narcissistic abuse be confident, reclaim their identities, and move forward from the past. Now, I have um, one or two slots left for helping survivors through the end of the year. So if you are interested in learning how to navigate the holidays, if you are interested in showing up more confidently at your various holiday events, or just you're interested in investing in yourself as we head here into the new year, I would strongly recommend you reach out to me. You can hit me up on Instagram. I'm at Empowerment Through Thought. You can hit me up on email. It's Louise at EmpowermentThroughThought.com. I'd love to chat with you about where you are on your journey and how I can help you um, advance your healing goals. Now, today, um, my cat is trying to talk into my mic. So if you hear some purring, <laughs> that's Freya. Um, she's a needy kitty. But what I want to talk about today, if she will allow it, we'll find out, is learning to welcome in the feelings. Public crying as a survivor. <laughs> so if you follow me over on Instagram, you know, I recently had this experience um, where I went to a public event and it was an event um, themed to honoring the dead. And it was uh, more, way more intense than I thought it was going to be. And I basically ended up like crying aggressively in public. <laughs> Which, you know, it that's a really different experience, I think, when you are the survivor of narcissistic abuse. So what I want to do in this episode is talk a little bit about um, how I think as survivors, we learn to relate to our emotions um, in the abusive environments that we've endured and how on the healing journey... Um, we need to kind of repair that relationship with our emotions in general. And I'm going to be talking about crying, obviously, um, but I think that this actually applies to a full range of emotions. So I had an experience where I kind of broke down in public, but this could also be true for being like showing extreme happiness in public, right? It's, it's, it's about our full, you know, the full range, right? We as humans can have really, really awesome feelings that lift us up, make us feel great. And we can have these really deep, dark, difficult uh, feelings too. And I think as survivors, we have quite a challenge in leaning into that full range, right? So, and I think that that's coming from our background in, in abuse. So what I want to do here in the first half is share a little bit about um, my journey and how I've related to my emotions over the years um, through the various abusive environments that I have endured and um, a little bit about what, what I'm like, what I'm trying to do now, right? Um, what, what things I would like to have in my life. And then in, um, after we hear a word from our sponsor, we're going to talk more about, I think, what you can do um, on a, in a practical way to actually start um, exploring your relationship to your emotions and maybe pushing yourself just a little bit so that you can explore more of the richness 
of of this this crazy human life that we're we're all going through whether we want to do or not <laughs> right okay so for me um right if you if you're new here welcome to the podcast happy to have you here for those of you who have been listening for a while you know a little bit about what my journey through toxic people has been like um both of my parents are toxic i grew up in the home with both of them they are toxic in very different ways but they are both toxic and um i went no contact with my toxic mother when i was 18. Um, it took several more decades before I realized my father was toxic and eventually went no contact with him. And then he recently passed away. So I was only about three years of no contact with him before he passed. Um, so there have been other toxic people in my life. We can talk about that. But I really think um, a lot of my relationship with my emotions, we're talking about that part of the conversation. Um, a lot of that was formed early on for me. That was, you know, when I was pretty young and I was, I was really, you know, I was living with two toxic people. I had a very, I'm going to say interesting childhood. Uh, there were good things about it, but there was, there was a lot, there was a lot that, you know, had room for improvement is a gentle way to say it. But, you know, one of the things I learned early on is that my emotions can make things worse. My emotions can make things worse. So I was in a difficult spot, right? My mother was very overtly negligent. That is like the primary way that she was abusive. Um, there were obviously much more things. There was emotional manipulation. There was other stuff going on, but like the core thing that she did was, was negligence, I think. Um, and then my father, there was a lot of codependency. There was a lot of, you know, like I had to take care of him. There was a lot of triangulation between him um, you know, him triangulating kind of me and my mother and like, okay, drama, 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 <laughs> right? Lots going on. And through all of this from a pretty young age, um, you know, I, I understood that my emotions would make it better sometimes and it would make it worse sometimes. So if I, you know, my father was feeling really bad, I, I was basically acting as his spouse. That's, that's the role I ended up taking on. So if he was getting really frustrated with my mother over something, you know, I realized that depending on how I acted, I could make him feel, or he would act like the situation was much more dire, or he would kind of pick up and keep going and move forward. At least at times, depending on how I acted in response to what was going on in, in part depending on how how much of my emotions i showed and how negative the to those emotions were right so the more the more darkness i shared the more i showed i was upset or i was sad or i was frustrated that that usually did not go well um that usually was perceived as some kind of threat or criticism from my father and that would definitely make things worse. It would make it worse. Now I'm, I'm somebody who, um, I would say naturally kind of goes towards darker things. Um, I don't know if you would like guess that from my social media or whatever, but like, you know, I, I was never like a goth as a kid. I was kind of more on the emo side, but I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the fringe of, which might also date me a little bit, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm kind of on the fringe of a lot of like that side. Uh, the issue i'm not i'm not very sunshiny i'm not going for the yellows and and the greens i'm going more for the dark the darker colors right 
And so I found ways where I could kind of almost like through my aesthetic, I could explore some of that darker stuff, but it, it could not be where like I had really public displays of, of sadness or, or darkness of any kind, right? Those emotions for me became dangerous because I saw how they could make a bad situation worse. And in retrospect, I am not sure how, like how important my emotions were every time in all of the situations where I believed my emotions were dangerous. Um, but I believed it often enough that I just decided we're not going to show those. Those emotions are for when you're alone in your room and nobody's around because it's not going to impact the other people in a way that's going to make everything worse. So that was like a challenge for the darker feelings, the sadness, the frustration, maybe the depression, like all of that sort of stuff. But I also think I had this on the flip side too. Like being, being really happy also felt dangerous, which is weird to say, right? Being really happy felt dangerous because sometimes if I was really happy, my mother would become jealous and act in bizarre ways as a response to that, right? Like she was like resentful of me for feeling happy as a kid because often I was more with my father and she didn't like that and it's super complicated, messed up stuff. But basically being happy was also deeply problematic or at least like showing it too much. And then, you know, there was more than one time in my life where I was really happy and excited about something. And then my toxic parents, something happened and they did not do what they said they were going to do. And I lost that thing that I was really excited about. I lost the thing that I was really, I was really looking forward to. And in, in those moments, I was like, oh, being really happy, really looking forward to something is dangerous too. Right. Because if we're if we're showing that kind of happy, we're vulnerable because if if that happiness depends on my parents doing something, um, I can't count on them. Right. So and then I feel that sadness, that disappointment even more. And now I'm in this awkward place where I can't really show those things because I know that's going to make it worse because like my parent did something to screw it up. And they don't want me to remind them that they screwed it up. So they're going to make the problem me saying something rather than the problem being that they, you know, didn't do something they were supposed to, right? This is like a very classic kind of toxic cycle. Well, rather than the person acknowledging their responsibility for the mistake they made, they blame the person who's pointing out that they made a mistake. That would happen to me. That would happen to me a lot. And as a kid, I was really de devoted to trying to reduce the number of problems in my life. I just wanted things to be simpler. I just wanted less drama. I just wanted more time to be alone in my room. I just didn't want to multiply my problems. So I learned that um, big feelings are not my friend. Big feelings, whether they're good or they're bad, um, they will often like trigger the insecurities of the people around me. And then not only am I feeling bad, but now I'm feeling bad about them feeling bad. <laughs> right. So it's just, it's multiplying, it's multiplying. So over time, what this did to me is it made me feel like my emotions were one, extremely powerful. 
<laughs> like, I think there's a very inflated sense of power about my feelings because I was with deeply insecure people. Like, I'm not sure it was wrong to think that my showing my feelings like this would, um, you know, negatively impact my parents. I think that might have been true, at least at times when I was younger. Um, but I really just came to believe that whether I'm feeling good or bad is going to completely define how other people treat me. It's going to completely like impact everyone's experience of what today is like. And I decided they were so powerful. I didn't want them. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to be really happy. I didn't want to be really sad. I just kind of wanted to be neutral, right? Cause there was safety and neutrality. I didn't have to be so disappointed. I didn't have to feel so sad. I could kind it was kind of like numbing out, but it was, it's like safer than that. Right. It's like, I'm actually creating a more calm environment. Now in the end, I'm not sure I, I succeeded in creating a more calm environment because when you have two toxic parents, th th there's always chaos, right? The kind of chaos just shifts. Um, and sometimes you're the focus of it and sometimes you're not, but I thought I had a lot of power in this and I think that, that that idea has actually stayed with me long into adulthood. I think it it was really fanned too by my I had a toxic ex-husband. Um, and he was a he was a man who did not know how to handle emotions at all. He had a lot, he had a lot of emotions that were not dealt with at all. And um, his response to basically everything was to get angry. And that meant any kind of emotion I expressed with him, it felt like I was creating the anger, which I was not. And in, in fact, I was not right. He was doing that. That was hit. That's a him thing. That wasn't a me thing, but it felt like it was a me thing because I would create, um, you know, I would show some kind of intense emotion, good or bad, and it would trigger him somehow. And suddenly my, my entire day would be, you know, filled with his rage. And that was, that was just feeding into this narrative, right? That I had that my, my emotions are so powerful. Like they make people, um, you know, lose their minds basically. And that was not the best thing in terms of the healing journey. <laughs> so as you know, today I am, I'm still no contact with my mother. My father has passed. Um, don't no longer have that toxic ex in the picture, my toxic mother-in-law is basically out of the picture right now. Things are calmer. Things are better. The people in my life are not toxic. And I am on this healing journey, um, like so many of you I know listening. And I am trying to figure out how to unlearn the, the thought that my feelings um, determine how good or bad everyone around me is going to feel. Right. I, I need to, I need to come to realize that my feelings can exist and be, people can see them, people can relate to them. And my feelings are not responsible for everything bad in the world. <laughs> right. It sounds like egotistical, but like when you're around insecure people, that, that makes sense. Right. So, okay. What happened to me recently was, uh, you know, I went, I went to the ceremony I went to the ceremony and um, I, I was not expecting the ceremony to impact me so much, but I, I'm still in a weird place for grief with my, my toxic father passing. Um, I'm starting to think maybe I am not, I'm not grieving for him as much as I'm grieving for the lost possibility of him doing better. 
you know, like I wanted him to do better. I didn't want to be right. I didn't like, I, I feel like I was right. I feel like I was hundred percent right in going no contact with him, but some part of me wishes that was not true. And with his death, um, it's finished, right? That's, that's, that's what happened. That's how the story goes. And I think I need to mourn that. But anyways, the ceremony about honoring the dead just got to me. And like, before it even had like completely started, I was already crying and like it was it was outside of my control like the the feelings were so big i was not in a position where i could excuse myself easily i am just bawling in public and it's it's a sad thing it's like a permissible space but wow what what an interesting experience for a survivor for somebody with the kind of trauma background i have right like it it was a lot it was a lot. Um, and it was scary. Um, but it turns out the world didn't crumble. It turns out like there are still people, um, from that group I was with who like me. I, I've talked to a couple of them. Nobody got mad at me. Nothing bad happened. So surprising somehow. <laughs> it shouldn't be surprising, but Oh, I am surprised. I cried aggressively in public. I showed all of the negative emotions, um, in a group of people and it was okay. What? <laughs> So that's really got me thinking like, I have a lot of space to grow here. There is a lot, there's this, like, I need to work on thinking and feeling and relating to my emotions. So we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor. When we come back, I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I think maybe you could do if you relate to this um, and, and you would maybe like to start to repair some of your relationship to your emotions. So I'll catch you after this, this, this sponsorship. Okay, so how can we learn to welcome in the feelings? So my general idea here is that if you if you have this feeling that like your your feelings, good or bad, whatever they are, are somehow like dangerous, that they're going to cause chaos in the world around you. My main thought is that we need to show ourselves that's false. We don't need to tell ourselves. We need to show ourselves. So what, what does that look like? Well, I think what we need is, is experiences where we feel sufficiently safe. Safety matters here. We want to, you don't want to put yourself out in, in really dangerous spots. You want a space where you feel sufficiently safe, um, where you can display some kind of emotion and then see what happens to the people around you. Okay, so if you're really new at this, it might just be, um, you know, you could be alone in your room and just have a friend on a phone call, right? They're just, they're just there for voice, right? So in that situation, it's, it's mostly safe. You're mostly by yourself, but maybe you want to try out, you know, maybe you're having a big feeling today and you want to talk about that. Or you want to maybe try to display that feeling a little bit. If it's feeling organic to you, maybe crying a little bit or maybe laughing a little bit and just see how that experience goes. See if your friend freaks out. See if um, everything bad happens, right? And I think what we want to do is like slowly over time, we want to try more and more to get new experiences that are slightly riskier right? Slightly riskier so that we can 
eventually be in a room full of adults who we don't know that well display some kind of feeling and have proof that the world didn't end that those people didn't suddenly start screaming at us that um that we didn't there was no like outbreak of violence and there was nobody like you know suddenly jealous of us or or acting vicious in some way i think for a lot of us, you know, I, I know my audience, you guys, anyone who's listening to my stuff, you're, you're, you're probably pretty smart. You know, you're thoughtful, you're, you're investing in the healing journey, you're reflecting on what's happening to you. And I think a, a challenge for, you know, the, the thoughtful side of surviving these kind of abusive environments is rationally, we understand that we should not be afraid of displaying emotions. Rationally, we understand that, um, you know, my feelings don't control how other people act, right? We know that in general, that's not true, but we have so much lived experience being around toxic people that there, there is a part of us who knows that it's, it's false. There's a part of us that really believes like, no, if I am too sad, people around me are going to start to attack me. If I act too happy, someone's going to be jealous and somebody's going to mistreat me and it's going to be a huge problem. Even if rationally, when we think about it, we're like, I know that's not true. That's not the part of us that's making us afraid or nervous around expressing emotions. The rational part is not not the one calling the shots. This is this is our emotional selves, right? That emotional self is has a lot of lived experience that says danger, danger, danger. And what we need to do is, is try to communicate with that part of ourselves. We need to show that part of ourselves that it's not always dangerous. Maybe sometimes it is, right? We don't have to like let go of that skill. We don't know. Someday in the future, you could encounter another toxic person. But we need to try to get our bodies, we need to try to get our emotional selves to to witness, to actually experience the thing that seems scary and have it actually go neutral or hopefully go well, right? I think that is at the core of why, um, you know, I think a lot of survivors kind of struggle with allowing themselves to welcome in those big feelings, however they're coming. Right. Now you might, you know, you might be thinking to yourself like, Oh, Louise, well, like I cry in public or, you know, I, I often have these big emotional things and that's not really a problem for me. You know, I, I want to invite you to think like, are you feeling comfortable about the full range of feelings? Like, I know there are certain feelings that I could express around my parents that would cause a problem, right? There are certain ones that just like really triggered them for some reason, right? I don't, I, I don't know what the reason is. I don't really care. It wasn't really about me, but I, I could predict like if I was too successful at school, dad would act weird, right? He would act weird. Um, if I was mad that my parents didn't come to something that most other parents went to, that would freak my mom out she didn't come to the thing, but it would like freak her out somehow. And like, we, it would be an issue. There would be an issue if I expressed that, or if I, if I showed sadness at, at her absence or whatever. 
for me, those emotions today are still one of some of the most difficult ones for me to experience, right? Like even, even internally, I, you know, I've really, I've made certain decisions. Like I don't really care if my partner comes to my events. I'm not having a lot of events right now, but like, like in the past I, I was part of band and we would have performances and stuff. And, you know, my, my partner is very sweet. And I think he's come to like almost every single one of them that he was able to come to. And he wants to do that because it's important to him. And I really appreciate that from him. But internally, I don't allow myself to um, maybe fully appreciate that thing that my partner's doing for me there. Because if I really said like, oh, I really enjoy, I really enjoy having somebody come and experience this performance with me. Um, like I'm scared. I'm scared about what's going to happen because in the past, you know, it, it's almost like if I express that with my parents, then they would intentionally like avoid doing it. <laughs> right? Like they would make sure that I was suffering in this particular way. Right. And like, that was really difficult as a kid to deal with. And now as an adult who's trying to heal, I'm trying to, to navigate this, right? For me, there's like very specific kinds of emotions and specific contexts that I know I've kind of dulled. I, I've dulled my, my senses there. I've dulled my feelings there out of safety. And that's okay. We don't have to uh, criticize that, you know, that was adaptive that helped me at times in my life. But as an adult on the healing journey, I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe I would prefer to do something else now. Um, I think maybe trying to feel the full richness of human emotions is something I would like for me. And so now I have to look at these moments that, you know, where I am kind of doling my feelings as a protective measure. And I need to try to say, okay, how can I sharpen this again? How can I show myself that it is safe and okay and sometimes even good to actually show those feelings and let them breathe? So I would invite you to consider, you know, where, wherever you are, um, you know, however this is resonating with you, I'd invite you to consider, like, are there any emotions that you've kind of dulled down um, as a protection measure? And maybe if you do find a few of those, I, I might invite you to, to get curious about how could you create circumstances where you could maybe try to allow yourself to experience those feelings a little bit richer, just a little bit, and, and test it out, see if it's safe, see if it feels good. The more we can actually have the lived experience, the real life experience where we have those feelings and it goes well, the easier it's going to be for us to kind of let go of some of the, the, the desire to dull down those emotions. It's natural to have them as a survivor, but it's also natural to learn and to consider that maybe that's not how you want to live forever and to try new stuff. So I hope that this was helpful. I know that these, these ideas are not super specific, but of course, um, I would need to know a lot about your specific circumstances um, in order to help you craft those things. And that is the kind of work we could do in a one-on-one -on -one setting. If you are really interested in 
learning to experience the full richness of your own emotions. That is definitely something that we could talk about um, one-on-one. So if that's of interest to you, hit me up. You can send me a message on Instagram. I'm at Empowerment Through Thought, or you can email me, Dr. Louise at Empowerment Through Thought. I'd love to hear from you. And I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.